The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Chronicles, a poppychuloradio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023, and I'm your host, Priscilla Obregón. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on HBO's The Last of Us. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey O'Reilly. Hey, listeners. Welcome back. do 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 Fatality. Oh, it's- well, it was take on me. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> but it's fine. That went over my Mortal Kombat. There you go. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. So let's jump into our discussion of season one, episode seven, which is titled "Left Behind" and debuted February 26, 2023, on HBO. Here's the official synopsis of the episode: As Joel fights to survive, Ellie looks back on the night that changed everything. So really vague. So let's jump into the details. So we start the episode and we find that Joel and Ellie camping out in the garage of an abandoned house in the suburbs. Ellie does her best to stop Joel's bleeding and while doing so, Joel tells her to leave him, then grabs her and says she needs to go north to Tommy. Ellie puts Joel's jacket on him and leaves the house as a tear falls from Joel's eye. But then we cut to a flashback of Ellie in the Boston quarantine zone wanting laps in gym as she listens to Pearl Jam's All or None on her Walkman cassette player. Bethany, a girl in class, rips off Ellie's headphones, telling her to pick up the pace. But Ellie responds that she doesn't want to fight about it. But the girl states that Ellie doesn't fight, her friend does, and her friend isn't there anymore. Yet Ellie proves the girl wrong, punching her right in the face. This lands Ellie, now with a black eye, into the office of Captain Kwong, who says that Ellie isn't usually well-behaved. These last few weeks have been actually worse. Kwong says that Bethany is in the infirmary with three stitch, 15 stitches. When Ellie replies, good, she asks Kwong to just throw her in the hole. But Kwong says the hole doesn't work, so he's going to try something new. He's going to tell her the truth. Kwong says Ellie is smart, but she has two pads ahead. On her first path, she keeps acting like a grunt. She'll live the life of a grunt. She'll do shit jobs, eat shit food, and take shit orders, probably from Bethany, for the rest of her life. But on the other path, Ellie could swallow her pride, follow the rules, and become an officer. There are benefits to this path. Good food, your own room, and you get to tell the Bethany's of the world to shove it. Ellie asks why he cares, and Kwong replies that no matter what anyone thinks, if they go down, the whole QZ goes down. Kwong says there could be a leader in Ellie and asks her which path, to which Ellie replies, the latter path. Ellie asks for her walkman back, and Kwong obliges. So I'm going to pause here and ask what did you think of this of this scene okay so uh, first of all very worried for joel um just because ellie is a teeny tiny human and he is uh, 
a full-sized human. So, like, the idea of her dragging him in the snow, like, just everything about it just gets me worried for him. And also worried for her. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was worried from the beginning uh, about everything. Well, I should say I was worried from the end of the previous episode about everything. Now, as far as Bethany, never have I felt so satisfied since Stranger Things Season 4 to see a little bitch get her ass beat. Have you seen Stranger Things Season 4? Yes, I have. I finally finished it. Oh, okay. It immensely satisfying when the girl, the blonde girl, right? Is she blonde? She was like, she, was she, she just looked like, was she had blonde hair. Well, she was a bitch, nonetheless. But <laughs> it doesn't matter the hair color. So not since then have I felt as satisfied to see a little bitch get punched the fuck out. And uh, so that was immensely satisfying. The frank conversation that was had was, uh, like, um, probably the realest thing that anyone had ever said to Ellie. And uh, I think had nothing else in the episode happened the way that it happened, I think that would have been her wake-up call, to be quite honest. Um, but because stuff happened, um, yeah, that was not the wake-up call that she needed. She got a different wake-up call. But I thought the setup was really interesting. I, if I'm not misremembering, uh, I feel like I read that this entire episode is based off of, like, an expansion pack from the game. So that idea is kind of interesting, you know, because, you know, as showrunners knowing that this exists it's like where are we going to put this and of course they're going to put it at a moment in which ellie is at her most vulnerable because it shares with us the viewers important insights into the character so from the beginning i was just really excited to get this information something that i've sort of been saying uh ever since the first episode is, you know, I want more information about these characters. Like, clearly we are getting to know them at a time when the world is shit. And so getting as much information that we can get about their life before meeting each other, and when I'm saying meeting each other, I mean specifically Joel and Ellie, is incredibly vital to understand not only who they are as a people, but or as a person, but also so that we can understand what motivates them, and so that we can understand the true beauty of whatever character development they're going to get throughout this series' run. We only have two episodes left. I'm, I can't even believe I'm saying that. But two episodes left for the season. And uh, so, so for me, this was incredibly vital information and the little tidbits that we started to get from the beginning about how Ellie was behaving at the Fedra Academy, for lack of a better word, uh, was, uh, was really interesting. So I completely enjoyed it, even though, you know, it was a little tough to watch because, I mean, the last thing that we want to see 
um, from any character that we're enjoying is them sort of being bullied and having a really tough time. So I completely agree with you on the whole, like, just imagining how Joel got to the house. Because they were in, like, the middle of nowhere. And she was, like, dragging him, like, through the town into a house, like, to the basement part of it. I'm just kind of like, how? You are tiny. Did you use the the horse? Did you, like, somehow sling him on there even though he's, like, 100 pounds heavier than you are? What the hell? Like, just, I have to, like, stop thinking about it, like, realistically and just think, like, it's survival mode. She probably had adrenaline and she, like, just sucked it up and did what she had to do. So when she's there and she sees the bleeding and she winces, like, I wince too. Like, that was just, that was really good, like, I don't know, like, it, realistic work, like, just the, just in terms of, like, graphics and stuff like that and the wound and how, like, it kind of, like, pulses out blood. Like, it just, it looks like a stab wound. Like, since I've seen a couple in the ER and, like, it, it, lo- it looks realistic. It looks good. And when he pushes her and he's like, go, and, he, like, the little tear falls down his cheek, I was like... No, Joel, you're giving up on yourself. Like you've, you're a survivor. You you fought for so much, and you're just kind of like letting her go, letting her live, and giving up on the quest. And a part of me, like I know how it ends, but a part of me in this scene was just heartbroken for Joel. I was like, you you you've got to get up, man. You've got you you just have to. And when it just flashes back, like, a part of me was like, no, this is going to be a flashback episode. I want to see what happens with Ellie and Joel. But this, like, I, I completely agree with you. We need to know more about Ellie. And I hadn't played this expansion pack. I just played, like, the game itself. So all of this was new information to me. So, like, we started off with Pearl Gems All or None, and right away I Googled it and was like, when did Pearl Gems All or None come out? Did it come out in the 80s? Am I going to have to, like, so, like, prepare for trouble? And it came out in 2002. So, for for now, everything's going to be fine in the QZ. And that girl, Bethany, oh, I was so pissed at her. But, like, then I think about it rationally, and I think about it, this girl is probably, like, Kwong's pet that like wants to like make it up the ranks wants to be an officer and of course she's gonna want like the class to like do well and you have like this person who's like getting in the way of the class and like running like shit and not actually like doing the drills that you're supposed to of course you're gonna be like hey like keep up you're gonna make the rest of the class look bad so a part of me like empathizes with her like I I don't feel as angry with her as I did with um the Stranger Things girl oh god I hated that girl that girl was just mean for mean sake but like Bethany I feel like she's you can't you have to give um Ellie leeway because of course like she's depressed and she's like basically what what's akin to the orphanarium like with no family no friends anymore and like her only friend is apparently, like, isn't here anymore, in in quotations. So, like, she's depressed. You have to give her some leeway. But, of course, like, you're a kid. You're never going to give anyone leeway. You're just going to be like, keep up or or, or I'm going to make you keep up. So, like, I can see where both of them are coming from. I don't hate her as much as, like, you do. 
But, and obviously she got her comeuppance considering she's getting 15 stitches. Jeez, Ellie must have like bit her or something. Jesus, that was insane. But um, I, com- I also agree with you with like Kwong being like real with her. And had what happened in, later in the episode not happened, like, she probably would have, like, grown up to be an officer. And then it would have been, like, this whole, like, Romeo and Juliet thing with, like, a firefly and an officer. Like, it that, that would have been, like, interesting. But, like, it's... I like the fact that they took Kwong who could be, like, really mean and put her in a hole and, like, not give a shit about her because he has to deal with, like, a bunch of kids. So, like, it's grinding on you. But instead he treats her like a little adult and he talks, like, like, straight to her face and tells her the truth, the hard-hitting truth that, like, if she keeps acting up, she's going to live the life of a grunt. But if you follow the rules, you might become an officer. And there's perks to it. So, like, I think Ellie respected that. I also thought that it was such a kid thing to do to be like, can I have my Walkman back? It's like, yes, you acted like a brat. You 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 messed someone up and you still ask for more. But I respected Kwong for um, giving her the Walkman back. That was that was that was a baller move. So um, later that night, Ellie's in her room reading Savage Starlight comics as it rains and looks over the side of the room to see an empty bed. Hours after lights out, someone crawls into Ellie's room while she sleeps. The person put her hand over Ellie's mouth and Ellie kicks the person off, pulling her switchblade on her. Ellie discovers it's Riley, played by Storm Reed, her former roommate, the friend who fights, and Ellie asks where she's been. Ellie says she thought Riley was dead, as she's been gone for three weeks. Riley says she's fine, she just ran away for a bit, to which Ellie replies that Riley should have told her best friend about it. Riley admits that she joined the Fireflies, and when Ellie doesn't believe her, Riley shows her her gun. Riley says she'll tell Ellie everything, but first Ellie has to promise she'll come with Riley for a few hours and have the best night of her life. Even though Ellie says no at first, they both know she'll eventually say yes. Ellie tells Riley to turn around while she changes, with Riley commenting that Ellie is always so weird about that as Ellie changes. Riley eyes Ellie's cassettes, which include one from AHA, a small reference to The Last of Us Part 2. Riley says that's what, that where they're going to is secret and that Ellie should trust her with her life. The two crawl out the window and make their way for a 2 p.m. 2 a.m. adventure. The pair climbs down the streets ignoring patrols and Riley tells Ellie that after a Beth- the Bethany bout, she should pick her fights carefully. They climb through a window and up seven floors and find a dead body. Riley says the body wasn't there yesterday, and it looks like a man mixed pills with booze from before the outbreak. Ellie grabs the bottle right before the man falls through the rotting floor, scaring the two before making them laugh. They both share drinks from the bottle. Remember in episode four when Ellie tried Joel's flask and said it was still gross? And Ellie asks for the first time, it asks if it was the first time Riley had seen a dead body. Riley says no, her parents. Ellie asks if she can hold Riley's gun, and after Ellie mocks her and recites the Firefly's rules, she hands it over as Ellie notes how surprisingly heavy it is. So I'm going to pause here and say, what did you think about the introduction of Riley? I enjoyed her, but I like Storm Reed, so I was really excited to see her. Um, she keeps on making that HBO money, so props to her. 
yes. Uh, and I was like, oh, I hope she's not as sad as she is on the other show. And, and she wasn't, for the most part, until later. Uh, but, yeah, it was great to see her. I liked her personality. I could immediately see and understand why they are friends, best friends, as they called each other from the beginning. So uh, she was uh, spectacular. Um, everything else that we got with her was really interesting. Like, their dynamic was really good. Uh, the fact that we had gotten a little bit of uh, sort of like a taste as to um, her being a protector of Ellie was really nice. Um, wait, how far deep did we get into it? I just want to make sure I don't go too far deep. We got up to the point where the dead body goes down. Okay, 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 okay. Yes, she yes, holds yes. It down. Okay. So seeing seeing her be her protector was really nice and sort of like getting that vibe when they were together. Their dynamic was, it was really good. Like I really, really enjoyed their dynamic. I thought they were like really sweet and wonderful with each other. I also loved seeing them, you know, um, almost get caught and then, you know, being really stealth and covert Although in a really loud kind of way, because they're just talking loudly as they're like, you know, uh, uh, traipsing on roofs and and that kind of thing. Uh, When they get to the moment in which they find the dead body, what a sad reminder of the times. Because they understand, for the most part, that he committed suicide. Uh, He mixed pills and liquor together and and that sort of thing. I loved the line of, um, you know, this isn't like moonshine that's made today. This is from before. So that was kind of neat, their their understanding of alcohol and and that sort of thing. And um, when the body fell, like that was an intense little moment. Like I was worried for both of their lives and I don't really understand why because this is a flashback and we know exactly sort of where this flashback is going. So uh, the fact that once again the writers and the actors just give us this incredible in- give us this intense feeling of foreboding even though we really know for the most part, kind of, sort of, where it's going, I got to give them props for that because, um, you know, I was still worried for both of them. I'm like you touched on most of the things that I that 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 I wanted to say. I'm just gonna say I've never seen Storm Reed in anything before, and I saw her. Wait. In- her. Wait, wait, wait. You've never seen Euphoria? Nope. Never seen Euphoria. What? <laughs> Yeah, another one of, like, the HBO shows that I'm like, I'll get to it at some point. Eventually. Okay. It's good. I'm I'm genuinely shocked. Oh, so you've never seen her before, period. No, I've never seen her before. But, oh, like, okay. when people were like, Storm Reed's playing Riley, I'm like, okay, I have no idea who she is, but I'm, apparently I'm supposed to be hyped for this, so... I'm hoping she's good, and she is. She she matched up my expectations of what I expected, like, the first death or, like, the first, um like, true relationship that Ellie had. Like, it, I, I was expecting someone who would immediately make you, like, 
empathize with her at mo- at, at best or like love her at most. And I, com- I, I saw that. And I'm going to say something that like might be a little bit controversial about this scene. But there's a certain mystique that like being friends with a girl has where like people are like, are you guys being like romantic with each other? Are you just being like pals with each other? Like where it kind of like runs a murky like gray line sometimes like in in TV. And I felt like they pulled it off like really well, especially like when Ellie like starts to change and tells tells her to turn around. It just reminds me of the fact that like the actress herself, like Bella Ramsey, to play Ellie, she puts on like a binder, which makes me think like automatic it gave me like is this LGBT? Like are you are you hiding because like you're you don't want to show off like your chest, like you don't want to like or you don't want to like blend the lines of like sexuality like that that way or are you hiding because you just don't want to change and you're shy in front of another girl like it could be a lot of things like it just reminds me of like Sofia Coppola movies and things like that just how like murky the dynamic can be and I I I really like that like you 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 can't say for sure whether or not like they're a straight like two girls like relationship or whether there's like a little bit of like LGBT in there and it's interesting obviously like that and that gets answered later on in the episode but as of now like they're slowly like pacing you in through this and it's it's interesting um I also wanted to say the dead body completely agree with you it's sad that like right away like instead of being like whoa like they had pills and they had like drinks and he died like automatically both of them knew like he did this on purpose like he didn't just party and like crash or something like that and die there like he literally like wanted to kill himself and when the body just falls to the ground I completely I jumped I was like is this a jump scare why am I so scared? Like, these kids are going to be all right. Like, we have to see the rest of this episode play out. Like, it it completely defied logic why I was scared. But it just goes to show how great these two actresses are that they make us give a shit about them. And I love the fact that, like, I, I mentioned it during the, 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 the walkthrough of this scene, but they shared drinks from the bottle and Ellie had already tried, like, real liquor, and she said it was still gross. So it just goes to, like, it just goes to show, like, little things like that in writing, where they remember she's tried liquor before, she's tried real liquor before, not moonshine. That charms me to a show. That makes me think that the writers actually give a shit about what they're writing about, that they're keeping an attention to detail, and I like that. So, um, continuing on. Ellie asks what happened. Did she start dating some firefly dude and decide to become a terrorist? Riley jokingly says, yup, but then says that one night Ellie was in a hole, so Riley snuck out. While Riley was sneaking around, a woman in her 40s or 50s, whatever, she was old. And that hurts the the ticker over here. 
uh, came up to her and said she was impressed with her sneaking around. And after Riley told the woman her negative opinion of Fedra, the woman said if she wanted in, she's in. She said yes, and now she's a firefly. Ellie says she doesn't know if Riley's dislike of Fedra is so simple, and begins reciting Kwong's line about how Fedra holds everything together. Riley says that as much as she loves arguing, they're on a mission, and as they jump from rooftop to rooftop in the QZ heading to their destination... They take a break, and Ellie notices that there are more lights. Riley says that there are more people, which means more apartments. Ellie says that means Fedra isn't entirely bad. Riley talks about how Fedra are fascist dickbags, and Ellie replies by asking if the Fireflies still use bombs. Riley says not when civilians are around, which Ellie calls propaganda bullshit. Riley states, one, it's okay to not know everything. Ellie says agree to disagree. And two, they're here. Riley has brought Ellie to an abandoned mall, and Ellie says Riley is out of her mind that they sealed off the mall because it was full of infected. Riley slyly replies that if she's if it's supposed to be sealed off, why isn't it sealed off? I'm gonna pause here because this I feel like this was like the filler portion of the episode, and I wanted to get your th- your thoughts on it. The mall was really cool, like. You're... We haven't gone to the mall yet, so... Oh, okay. oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, 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 we're, we're outside talking about um, that the lights are turned on, right? right? Yeah, we're okay. on Fedra and, like, Fireflies. Okay. So, for me, finding out that Riley was a Firefly now was interesting. Because I, I was like... As we're watching this, like, what is the end of this flashback going to be? Like, are we going to see Marlene again? Are we going to see how um, how Ellie connects with the Fireflies and that sort of thing? Like, I thought we were going to get a nice little moment. And so that's what I was hoping for as we kept on getting all of this information about the Fireflies and how Riley was involved with them. It was very exposition-y, but it was, I think, information that we we should have known. And it made um, sort of sense in my mind based off of what we know of where Ellie was at the start of the series. Like, I was making those connections every time Riley kept on mentioning that she became a firefly. And how, you know, she, she feels that her decision was justified based off of the fact that she didn't agree with how Fredra was treating the people, how there are other, you know, QZs that toppled Fedra and that sort of thing, and, and how everyone sort of needs their rights and, and, and should be in charge of their life, as she said, sort of like how it used to be. So, so yes, it was a little filler-ish, maybe, uh, but I, I really enjoyed the smaller conversations that were being had about how things were being run. I had to sort of keep on reminding myself that Ellie is 14, and as we found out in this episode, that Riley is 17. So we're getting these really incredibly mature conversations from these kids that, you know, their only life has been the quarantine zone. I feel like they both come from, like, opposite planes of the spectrum where, like, Riley's older, so she remembers a time when she had family. She remembers a time when things were different, when the Federal probably was, like, barely shaping up to, like, take over. 
So she remembers rights. She remembers have a plen a more plentiful time. And the fact that like they're constantly starving and that they have like what she calls fascist dick bags, like Fedra, like kind of lording it over them. Like of course she's gonna like want to join like a f- the fireflies. Like it just it sounds like a, a a much better deal to have someone be like, well, couldn't everyone live in plenty again? Like it's the whole like you live in a communist nation, but you hear about like the democracy and like its riches, and you're like, oh my god, this just this sounds so much brilliant. Why would I? Why would I ever want to be in like a communist nation? Like it's it's that sort of like propaganda thing going around, and um, I rem- I remember like them bouncing around like the the rooftops and me just being like oh no you're gonna fall what the hell's wrong with you people but like I get that like because it's like the apocalypse like forms of travel are different but I just flash back to like you guys aren't spider-man what if you slip what if you fall what the hell are you gonna do then like oh god I was such like a worried mom but um yeah I I I thought it was a fillery portion of it. Like, a part of me was just kind of, like, get to the good stuff. Like, like tell me more. Like, the, the only thing I found that was, like, a really meaty part of it was when Ellie asked, like, did you start dating some Firefly dude and decide to become a terrorist? Like, it was joking, but a part of me is, like, why would you care? And Unless, like, you feel more for her than, like, you're letting on, like... I don't know, like, that. automatically that started, like, putting my feelers out, like, hmm, I don't know, but I, 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 I appreciated the little hints that they're giving that, like, this is probably going to be more. So, continuing on, Ellie and Riley crawl down a hole, and Riley explains that when Fedra hooked up the new apartments with electricity, the mall was connected, too. Riley tells Ellie to go out the door, go right, and head out another door, and to let her know when she's there. When she arrives, Riley hits the light, and Ellie gets to watch an entire abandoned mall come to light. For once, Ellie is silent, in awe of the beginning of the best night of her life. Riley assures Ellie that no one else can see the lights outside, it's just the two of them. But Ellie hasn't seen anything yet, and tonight, Riley will show Ellie the four wonders of the mall. As Take On Me plays on the soundtrack... First, Riley shows Ellie an escalator for the first time. Ellie is shocked by the electric stairs, and she goofs around, climbing up and down with joy. Ellie asks if this is one of the wonders, and Riley says, Sure, there can be five. While they walk the mall, Riley points out that it isn't exactly packed with infected. Ellie asks why some of the stores are still full and others aren't. Riley says her mom told her that when the outbreak happened, some of the stores were looted and others weren't, that people took what they needed or wanted. Ellie notes that the footlocker is emptied out, but the body shop remains packed with supplies. They then look at a nearby Victoria's Secret shop where Riley can't believe people ever wanted things like that. Riley then laughs and says that she was trying to imagine Ellie wearing something like that. As Riley walks off, Ellie takes a closer look at herself in the reflection. So I'm going to pause and say, now you can talk about the introduction to the mall. What did you think? The mall, first of all, was gorgeous, even in its sort of post-apocalyptic, decrepit nature. It kind of reminded me of, uh, like, you know, if you're trolling through the internet, 
you'll end up finding photos or posts that like show abandoned theme parks or, or carnivals or, or, or local amusement um, locations. And like it's incredibly fascinating and eerie to watch those images or to look at them because it's like, you know, like these once vibrant locales, you know, have become abandoned and overrun with uh, vegetation or uh, infested with, uh, you know, uh, animals and that sort of thing. And and, then you can see things sort of like rotting and breaking down and that kind of stuff. And there's just like a weird sort of um, beauty in, in that, you know, like, you know, the amusement park is kind of frozen in time, but not because it's aging. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's it's like a weird thing to look at, but it, they're always so fascinating to see whenever I, like, run into a post that shows something like that. So, basically, we got that in live action with this mall. I did read a little bit of information, like BTS, that this is a mall in Canada that was going to be demolished soon. So, they were able to you know, um, basically do whatever the hell they wanted to in that mall. And we got to see a lot of that in the episode. Um, I don't know if all the stores were the exact same thing. I'm sure they probably had to do or to update it to include some, like, time-sensitive stores and and that kind of stuff. But um, it was fascinating. All of it was really, really interesting. When I heard Take On Me... See, I didn't know, like, when the other song came out, the one that, that aired, that, that was played before this, but I, I know Take On Me is an 80s track, and I was like, this is, like, the happiest, peppiest 80s track, but we know what the 80s mean. And so I was like, oh, no, uh, something's gonna happen. Not right now, clearly, because I think this was, like, what, maybe barely 20-ish, 25 maybe minutes into the episode, but I knew shit was gonna pop. At a certain point, I loved Ellie's fascination with the magic of the escalator. Like it was, it was beautiful. Um, you know, we have to keep on remembering that these are kids that grew up in a time when you know the modern comforts of uh, what we we would consider to be the modern world were not there for them. And so, seeing like both of them be kind of mesmerized at the um, you know the almost like the banal, just like the banal things that we like overlook and, and and just the the ridiculousness of fashions and that sort of thing was incredibly fascinating, you know, because they're thinking of things in an incredibly practical kind of way, you know, in the post-apocalypse, I mean, you're not going to need sexy underwear. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that's not like the number one thing to think about for one's survival. As well as, you know, you're not going to need fancy soaps and, uh, you know, you're going to, you're not going to be able to experience stairs that move on their own. So, so all of it was incredibly fascinating. And if I'm going to be fully honest, like I was waiting for an infected to pop out at any moment. You heard the 80s sound like right away you were just kind of like, fuck. Yes, 100%. Well, I love 80s music. Like I have an entire 80s playlist that I love to jam out to on occasion. Um, I feel like the 80s is, is is kind of like its own era when it comes to music. So, uh, yeah, I immediately recognized Take On Me, and I was like, oh, that's 80s. 
I completely agree with like you saying like the wonder at the banalities of like modernity with like her being like I don't know having her own Mary Poppins moment with the escalator like going down it like sliding on the side like letting it like hold her while she goes down like like a pro like she's dancing on it or something it's it was like its own like little mini singing in the rain moment like and I was like did the actress actually slip when she falls down there or like was that choreographed or like did she actually slip and like Storm Reed just took it in stride and was like hey like are you okay like whatever it was like that was just a magical moment I loved it like it just shows like how miraculous like things that we take for granted are like the electric stairs like that was great and I don't know about you since like you're in another state but here in Texas like I've been to malls like the Galleria and like in San Antonio like the mall there the Riverwalk mall and they all kind of look the same because like you you tell me that this is a Canadian mall that was about to be demolished and I'm like they use the same like design the same sort of like two-story like with a big hallway down the middle and like the lights and the roof like arching like it's it's the same thing so like I love the fact that they did that because like it makes you feel like this could be you this could be your town this could be what happens to your place and I also love the fact that like they Riley kind of rationalized that if this were to happen, if the fungi apocalypse were to happen, if the zombie apocalypse were to happen, people would go for what they for what they want or aspirational things. Like, of course, you're going to go and get like Jordans and you're going to get like shoes because you think like, I'm going to need to run and I'm going to need to outpace these people. You're not going to go for the froofy like loofahs at the body shop and like creams and stuff like that. You're not going to go for lingerie like it makes no sense like maybe like clean underwear but like not stuff for like aesthetic purposes like you're you're gonna go for stuff that's rational so I was like wow like this is that that was interesting like I loved that portion and again another hint to like the fact that these two are gonna end up like doing something together like when she's like I was trying to imagine you in in lingerie and I just laughed and Ellie like stops and like primps herself in the mirror before going off Mm -hmm. to that. I was like, wow, another big hint as to what's going to happen. That to me was like the biggest moment for me, like where I was like, okay, so this is where that's headed. Uh, Because it was the more obvious moment and, and I mean, clearly she was checking herself out you know, for reasons. So I was like, okay, so I know where that's going. Can I also just add on really quick before we move on? There was something about the kitschy um, neon splendor of the lights of the mall that I really enjoyed. It also made it feel very old school. Um, I know that this is supposed to be a mall that existed in like 2003. Um, There are some malls that maybe haven't been updated, but it gave like a very... Stranger Things, like, 80s vibe to it, like, all of, like, the neon that was used, but there was something just gorgeous about it, like, the way that it was shot, 
and um, the specific colors that were used. There was something kind of almost magical about it. And, and uh, if we're supposed to, like, if that was supposed to, like, evoke what Ellie was feeling because it was her first time in the mall and it was her first time experiencing all of that. I felt that too with just sort of like the gorgeous neon splendor that we got. Completely agree. I see. I, I, I saw that and was like, this is an old mall. Like I remember this from trolling around my mall in the nineties. Like this is the mall of millennials. This is what, we we experienced in the 90s and the in the 2000s so like they captured the era really well which is like the lights and the shops they chose to put in the mall like it was it was really good it was derelict chic so further down riley says ellie has to close her eyes and ask ellie if she trusts her Ellie gives Riley her hand and a slight smile appears on Ellie's face as she's guided through the mall. Riley then tells Ellie to open her eyes, presenting her with a working carousel. Riley turns it on and the two get on as a simple instrumental version of Take On Me plays through the carousel. They both get on horses and Riley catches Ellie looking at her. The two laugh and pass the bottle of alcohol between each other again. It's a beautiful moment between the two of them, both able to be kids again for just a minute. And then the carousel unexpectedly stops. Ellie asks if Riley really left because she thought she could liberate this place. And Riley gets frustrated by Ellie's lack of optimism that could that that could possibly happen. And mentions that it's been done at other QZs. Didn't go so well in Kansas City, though. But Ellie says... Riley could come back and they could be the future. They could make things better and run things. Riley says that Ellie could be running things and that Riley says she turns 17 soon, which is when workers get their assignments in the QZ. Riley says Kwong gave her sewage detail and that she'll be standing guard while people shovel shit. That's what the QZ thinks of her. Riley says she doesn't know why she didn't tell Ellie that she just panicked and ran. The longer she was away, the harder it was to come back. Ellie says she understands, and Riley says Ellie is the only thing she misses from that place. That reveal seems to make Ellie feel a little better. Riley then says it's time to go and that there are more wonders to behold. I'm going to pause here to talk about this wonder. What did you think? I loved the intimacy of their conversation. I mean, they're talking about QZ stuff, but it seemed very intimate, like between these two friends that share an incredibly deep connection. We had a couple of longing looks, which were was really nice, you know, just to sort of like an added uh, layer to convey exactly how Ellie was feeling about Riley. And uh, all of that was just, it, it was, um, it was like teen you know, sapphic uh, wonder, you know, on the carousel. Uh, the carousel was gorgeous. I mean, they did a good job of, you know, once again, doing, like, the majesty in, like, the this decrepit mall with this, you know. Uh, I mean, it wasn't, like, an overgrown with like vegetation type of carousel, but you know, clearly it's an old carousel. Um, and, uh, there was like just this like marvelous beauty in, you know, this like lost world, basically hidden, this little gem hidden in the rundown 
apocalypse. When the carousel stopped, I was worried. Because I knew shit was going to hit the fan, and so I was, like, waiting for shit to hit the fan. Like, I felt like we were going to take a turn into a very, you know, deeper and darker uh, storyline. But it didn't, and, and, and that was good, I guess. You know, we needed these beautiful moments first before shit hit the fan. Is it weird that I'm triggered by carousels now, especially considering, like, I watched Punisher recently, and I watched, um, and I was playing Silent Hill 3, so a part of me is like, oh my god, carousels, is, is, that, is, are the zombies gonna come out, like, at some point, the fun guys, like, whatever the hell you want to call them, the, the walkers, I don't know, but, like, are they gonna come out and, and take over, like, because, again, you heard, uh, Take On Me being played instrumentally, and I was like, shit this means trouble's gonna come down but i like the fact that they're playing with viewers like expectations because like you expect bad things to happen from such a beautiful moment but sometimes you just gotta bask and let the beautiful moment happen and the fact that like they can be kids they can smile at each other they can like flirt and like pass around alcohol and just be like useful for a second is like magical in and of itself and you get to enjoy that you can you get to enjoy like what you said that the little hidden piece of paradise and i'm gonna say something that like might be a little bit like controversial but the part where she's like yeah you could run like the qz and made made me think like this is like some sort of race thing too because like ellie is like a young white girl versus Riley being like an older black girl. And of course, like they, they, they give her the shit detail because like they, they've, they've given black people the shit detail all the time. And like, she's not just like a normal, like black child. Like she's also like a troublemaker because she keeps getting like into fights. So like I, a part of me is like, shit, that that that's some fucked up shit like like nobody wants to have the shit detail and of course they would give it to like the troublemaking black girl and that's that's not cool but a part of me is like just kind of like they didn't actually say that it's just what i'm implying through through this so maybe they didn't mean to say something like that but and a part of me is like, well, and also like Kwong's Asian, so he's also a minority, so it probably wasn't that. But it's still something to think about. It's still a morsel to like chew over. And uh, I, as for the wonders, I really like. I thought this was a beautiful moment, and so let's move on to the next one. Riley then takes Ellie to a working photo booth, and Riley supplies the five dollars for their photos. Ellie asks if she's done this before, and Riley says she was waiting to do it with Ellie. Another reveal that, by the look on Ellie's face, is almost as good as the wonders. The duo makes goofy poses together while doing a scary pose. Riley stays cheek-to-cheek with Ellie for just a second too long. They look at the photos, and Riley gives Ellie the photos to keep. Before they get to their next wonder, Riley tells Ellie to listen. The revelation of what the next one is makes Ellie start running to Raja's arcade. 
with all the games going, the lights and the sounds, Ellie stands outside and says it's the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. Ellie looks in awe at the possibilities, but Ellie is upset they won't be able to play any of them without coins. But Riley says she's already figured that out, opening the change machine that dumps out tokens. Riley says she spent an hour yesterday breaking it open for this moment. With coins in hand, Riley brings Ellie to the piece de resistance. Mortal Kombat 2, which Ellie pointed out in the gas station in a long, long time. Unlike in Left Behind, where Ellie and Riley had to imagine playing The Turning, a Mortal Kombat-like game, in the show, this pair can actually compete against each other in Mortal Kombat. Ellie selects Raiden, Riley chooses Melina. They smash buttons, but Riley wins and shows off Melina's fatality, in which she sucks up Raiden and spits out his bones. Riley replies that she's been here a few times, and Ellie jokes that Riley doesn't do everything without her. As they continue playing, we pan out of the arcade to find a lone infected in a nearby doll shop, and it's just woken up by the sounds of Riley and Ellie. So, what did you think of our Mortal Kombat moment? Loved it. It was fantastic. I'm glad that we had... This episode was payoff for a lot of the stuff that was set up Earlier, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the um, the fact that uh, Ellie sort of referenced that she had had alcohol before, uh, we did get a little bit of uh, intel about Mortal Kombat, like how she knew that. Uh, we uh, we had earlier, uh, you know, a glimpse of uh, a, like one of the pun books. We get a little bit more of that in a moment. So there, this was a great episode for callbacks and for a better sort of like un, a better understanding of the context of why she knew what she knew. Mortal Kombat never looked better. Good, good grief! The old uh, game graphics are fascinating to look at, but I mean, it was a it was a badass game. The fatalities were spectacular. And then the infected. Now, because we saw him just briefly for a second, I was like, is he embedded in the wall? Like what we've seen before? Um, it was like purposefully not that well lit to give like an air of mystery about what type of infected he was. Uh, but once I saw him, I was like, okay, shit's about to happen in a big way at some point very soon and uh, I'm ready for it but I'm also not ready for it I completely agree like Mortal Kombat has never looked better I loved the little like wink and a nod to what she said about like Molina's so cool of course it would be so cool like your best friend played her and kicked your ass with her of course it would be cool and she got to see the fatality which I'm like how did you do that without like did you stay and play for a really long time and like get to the part in the game where like it explains fatalities to you because like you don't just button mash and come up with it like out of the blue but I I adored that again they bring back they bring it back to the whole like how would someone react to a modernity like a video game when you've never actually played before and of course like she button mashes but she doesn't know how to use a joystick to move her character so of course she gets her butt kicked like with a flawless victory like she's she's never played before she doesn't know how to move she doesn't know how to 
really button mash or how to make combinations. And I thought that was so charming. I loved it. And I props to the video game. Like, it's nice that, like, Left Behind had them, like, pretending to play. But that would be really boring to see in a TV show. So I'm, I really appreciate that they put Mortal Kombat in there. Besides, it's something to to empathize with. If you've ever played Mortal Kombat, you remember those, like, video game machines. And you can totally tell that this is in the past because they used one quarter each to play. Where, like, now would be, like, a dollar fifty to play or something like that. So, yeah. And I loved the photo booth moment. Oh, my God. That moment when they were cheek to cheek. Or where they're like, okay, let's do back to back. And let's do scary. Like, oh, that was such, like, a little kid, like, with your best friend sort of, like, moment. Apart from the scene where, like, they're cheek to cheek and, like, Ellie's just there for, like, a little bit too long. Like, I, again, another hint to, like, this is this means more to Ellie than you think it means. So like I oh I loved it. I thought it was so charming. I loved the hint of the past. This was great. So after a few more games, Ellie is finally won playing as Baraka and she pulls off her own fatality. As they celebrate the brutal move, they once again get a little too close and break off the moment. Ellie points out that it's getting late, but Riley says they've got a still They've still got a few hours. Ellie says she doesn't want to get in trouble again, but Ellie will still be around tomorrow. Riley replies that she got Ellie a gift. This seems to be enough to get Ellie to keep going through the mall. They make their way to the food court and they jump the counter at the taco restaurant. In the back, Ellie sees Riley's stuff there and Riley says this is where mostly she's been staying. Riley then pulls out a gift. No pun intended, volume two. The pun book Ellie will later read to Joel on their journey. Ellie is once again shocked, and the two read off the terrible jokes, giggling to each other. As Riley takes her turn, Ellie looks around and sees that Riley is keeping a whole stash of grenades. Riley admits she makes them, and Ellie asks if she used them to blow up soldiers. Then Ellie puts it together. Riley didn't find this mall. She was posted here by the fireflies. Ellie leaves, saying none of this was about her, saying fuck you to her best friend. Riley runs after her and tells Ellie she's leaving. They're sending her to a post in the Atlantic UZ. Riley asks if Ellie could join so they could go together, but Marlene, the lady that recruited Riley, says Ellie couldn't go. Riley reveals that tonight is her last night in Boston. Ellie takes it all in, walks closer to Riley, and asks why she brought her here. Riley says it's because she wanted to see her. Ellie replies, and... To which Riley says she just wanted to say goodbye. Riley says this isn't easy, but Ellie states that it is. That she just did it. Ellie says goodbye and walks off, heading through the mall by herself. So we got this dramatic moment after a moment of levity. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts are. This was really intense, but all of it was incredibly vital information. Like, I thought all of it was really interesting What's also interesting is the fact that the Fireflies did not do a good job of cleaning out the mall. Because, you know, one infected, you know, we, we saw at least one, was still there. And so that was a little bit surprising to me. I was like, Fireflies, y'all are uh, falling asleep at the job. But the, the information that Riley gave, that was so, like, it was fascinating. Like, I was, like, hanging on to every 
word that she was saying because this is like the most amount of information that we've gotten about sort of like the dynamic and the hierarchy and you know the the machinations of like that how this well-oiled machine that is the fireflies sort of works so that was really important for us to hear um and uh, i enjoyed that part Clearly, you know, we were getting closer and closer to some sort of revelation between the friends. We didn't get it. And I was like, oh, no, like, Ellie can't leave because, first of all, she's got to get bit. And second of all, like, we need a payoff to everything that's been building up that night. And uh, certainly... You know, this magical night at the mall was not going to end with Ellie storming off from Riley. Like, we needed a better conclusion. So, um, you know, I, I will say this. I paused, and I was like, okay, we still got some time left. Like, this isn't where it's ending. And, uh, and so I was glad with that, because, I mean, this would have been a really sad way to end... Uh, the episode i was like exactly like you i was thinking like shit we're having a happy moment she got the joke book she finally did her own fatality which i will say is kind of like how do i put this it's kismet that she chose baraka because baraka is supposed to be like the romantic coupling to melina so the fact that she won with and played a fatality with baraka when she's melina like was just cherry on top of the lesbian sunday like i love it like i also loved the fact that they brought brought up no pun intended volume two that riley gave it to her that that's why like that's the pun book that ellie like whips out to read to joel like and that riley was important enough to know that that no pun intended the first volume is precious to to ellie and it's shared between precious people, between Riley and Ellie, and now between Ellie and Joel. Like, it shows the importance. And, oh, God, the, the fact that they that they were, that, that joke where they brought up computers, and they're like, what's a computer? Like, what's what's this? What's, and they're like, I don't know. And they just skip to, to another joke. That was adorable. I, I loved the jokes. They're, of course, they're not going to get things like that. And, but they're just going to laugh about it anyway because it's in the moment and it's with your best friend. <laughs> and I love – a part of me was all dumb because, like, I should have thought that it was a joke book. But when she came to the taco stand, I'm like, did you did you find cheese that's still good? Are you going to give her nachos? Like, that's the first thought that came in my head. It wasn't that – it wasn't tacos. So – Oh, God, I loved that moment. I thought it was so good. And to have that crushed by Riley saying it's my last night in the QZ that I'm going to be, like, leaving, I completely forgot about the hidden horror that is the fungi guy creeping up on them at some point. Like, I just thought, God, Riley's leaving you. And, of course, like, nobody wants to have the shit-shoveling job. So, 
and if you can pretend to be a hero and pretend to like like circumvent tragedies that you feel that Fedra's doing to the QZ and become like a true leader like in the Fireflies of course you're going to take that route so I sympathized with Riley but I also sympathized with Ellie who's losing her best friend again after thinking that she was dead to something that she feels like is stupid she doesn't believe in the Fireflies she doesn't believe in a happy ending for everybody she just believes that like you get the detail that you get and you just gotta work through it so I just I can see where both of them are coming from and there's no winners here like god I just I that whole thing where she's like at least like says you just did and just walks off <sighs> like such pathos such Teenage angst. I love it. It's great. So Ellie almost gets to the way they came back, but stops herself and heads back. She hears screaming, and Ellie starts running toward it. But she finds out that the screams were coming from the Halloween store. Inside, she also finds Riley, who says, Surprise! The fifth wonder. Ellie says she thought Ellie would like this best, so she saved it for last. Ellie, still upset, asks Riley for the book back and sits next to her friend. Ellie explains her feelings. She thought Riley was dead, but then comes back, gives her this amazing fucking night, and now she's leaving again forever to join a cause that Ellie doesn't even think Riley understands. Riley says Ellie doesn't know everything, that she doesn't know what it was like to have a family and to belong, and Riley wants that again. The Fireflies might not be what she thinks, but they chose Riley, and she matters to them. But Ellie says Riley mattered to her first, saying that she wants to punch Riley so bad. Riley says she's sure about leaving, and Ellie accepts it. Ellie says Riley's her best friend, and she'll miss her. Riley says the night isn't over yet, that Riley has one more thing. Riley throws a wolf mask to Ellie and reveals that she stole Ellie's Walkman, to which she says that she probably is going to give it back. Riley hooks the Walkman up to a speaker as Etta James's cover of I Got You Babe plays. Riley puts on the clown mask and Ellie wears the wolf mask and they both get on the store's counter and start dancing together. But Ellie starts to slow down, takes off her mask. Riley also takes off her mask and Ellie begs Riley not to go. And Riley agrees. Ellie kisses Riley and then Riley immediately says, and then Ellie immediately says, I'm sorry. But Riley says, for what? The two smile and laugh, happy that they still have each other. Ellie asks what they do now, and Riley says they'll figure it out. So I'm going to pause at this happy moment and ask, what did you think? It was the moment we've all been waiting for. We saw the signs. We were waiting for some magic to happen in the mall on this magical night. And, and it did. Now, before we get to there, the reunion was really cute. Although, I will say this, I was a little worried for Riley when we heard the screams. You know, I was like, oh, shit, is this where we're finally getting the moment? And it wasn't. It was another false alarm. And we have this wonderful tender, not tender, but we have this wonderful fun moment in the Halloween shop. And uh, seeing them dance, shout out to Etta James. And uh, all of that was adorable. And then, clearly, this was going to lead to a big moment for both of them. And then we got the kiss. And the kiss was spectacular. Um, you know, clearly, Ellie is, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, sort of a, a burgeoning sexuality. 
and uh, this was her, I would assume, her very first kiss. Uh, she's also living in a time when, you know, we really don't know how sexuality works in the post-apocalypse, because we have to kind of remember, you know, this is where, okay, what am I trying to say? How am I trying to say it? This is where we don't really understand how the lines get blurred from real life and TV life. Because if you think about it, you know, the, the apocalypse happens in 2003. You know, the, the, the virus occurs, wipes out a majority of the population, there are survivors and that sort of thing. So are we dealing with people from our real life's 2003 mentality on sexuality? Are we dealing with a more idealized world, you know, and how they dealt with sexuality? We don't really know that. So, you know, are we sort of imprinting what we know about our world versus what we know about their world on the TV screen? I don't know. I really don't have the answer to this. So I, I can't I can't say what what it's supposed to be, but the fact that she was apologetic was interesting. The fact that Riley was like, you don't have to apologize, because that clearly means the feelings that she feels for Ellie is, you know, incredibly, um, she's receptive to how she feels, and she reciprocates it. So all of that was, it, it was nice. It was like, it was like, a 90s romantic teen movie moment. Or even, you know, we can throw it back to like an 80s John Hughes type of teen romantic moment without some of like the cringy, you know, 80s uh, sensibilities and norms. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it was really well done. It was adorable. Um, if you listen to the words of, like, I got you, babe, at one point, you know, it's like uh, a, a line of, like, I, th I can't remember what the exact line is, but I know a clown is, is referenced, and uh, Riley's wearing a clown mask, and they're both like, I got you, babe. I mean, it was it was cute. It was adorable. It was a really sweet moment that we got to see clearly before shit was going to hit the fan. I hate you because you totally brought up the clown lyric. And I was like, of course, they're going to bring that up during the I got you, babe moment. Like, and when I'm sad, you're a clown. Like, and she's wearing the clown mask. Like, ah, oh, that was so, that was such like kismet. I love that, that little like hint as to what's going to come up next. And, oh, God, like I complete, I feel this show is trying its best to to show like a more idealized version of how like people would react to like LGBT people with like I, with I don't know like Nick Offerman finding like his somebody in episode three like in the midst of tragedy and Ellie finding Riley like at this moment like of course like it's a very like I don't feel like it's a barrier gaze moment like but I feel like it's uh. LGBT people exist everywhere, even in, like, the apocalypse. They're still there. People are still being born, like, with this. And you just have to accept it. And I loved 
the fact that Riley and Ellie just like it could have been really ugly with her being like I'm sorry and her being like what's wrong with you like uh, like it could have been a total like 80s moment where we see this as like a learnable thing but no it's it was just a sweet romantic moment with her being like for what and I don't know like I just flash back to them taking pictures together in the photo booth and just being like wow this is like a total like an end to the circle please let it end there and of course it's not going to because tragedy has to happen to good shit all the time we can't have good shit happen without bad shit happening like the next moment this is not this is not the CW where good shit happens to people like no this is HBO you're you're your, your most beloved people are gonna die. So, oh, I just I felt bad, and I didn't like. Maybe it's just me, but just going back, the scream when Ellie like runs and she's like, "Riley, what's wrong?" Like, I automatically thought Halloween store. I didn't because the the screen is one of those can screams that like little like animatronics and Halloween play so I knew it wasn't Riley so uh, a part of me like when I heard the scream started hoping that they would like sort things out with each other like that, that they wouldn't like that that she would show her something in the Halloween store that would put this all together and just the dance that they had was such like it's it's from a generation that didn't learn like Jenna Ortega's dance from Wednesday in TikTok themed to Lady Gaga. It's it's it comes from a generation where like it's just awkward dancing because you never learned like how to do anything. So it's like fifties moves and like eighties slides and like it's just it's so cute. For lack of better words, it's just cute. And I don't know, like I'm hoping to see this like mixed up in like music video fan made music videos like afterwards because it I, it was it was adorable i loved it so we've had the good stuff now let's get to the bad they hear a noise and riley puts out her gun as an infected comes after them when they both run through the halloween store the infected knocks them both down with riley out eddie stabs the infected in the side as she tries to fight him off the infected gets on top of her but then riley hits it with a baseball bat as it fights with Riley, Ellie grabs her switchblade and stabs it in the head, taking it out for good. Ellie is overtaken by the excitement the moment caused, but Ellie doesn't realize she's been bitten. Ellie almost tries to rub off the bite mark as she screams, No! But even worse, Riley reveals she's been bitten on the hand. They're both doomed. We cut back to Joel shivering in the basement, back to the moment when Ellie seemingly left. But it turns out she went upstairs, desperate to find something to help Joel. Back at the mall, Ellie destroys the Halloween store out of anger and frustration. Ellie settles down and sits next to Riley, who says the way that she sees it, they have two options. They take the easy way out and shoot themselves, but Riley doesn't like option one. And option two is they keep going. They don't quit, they keep going. Whether it's two minutes or two days, they can spend that time together. Riley doesn't want to give that up. They can just be all poetic and shit and lose their minds together. Ellie asks what option three is, and Riley apologizes as the two sit together and cry. 
back in the present day. Ellie looks through the house and finds a needle and some thread in a drawer. She runs back down to Joel and holds his hand. She couldn't save Riley. She couldn't save Sam, but she can save Joel. She looks at the wound and begins to sew it shut as Joel looks away in pain. She's found the family that Riley was talking about, and now she'll fight to save him. So, midst of tragedy, bad shit happening, what did you think? Oh yes, bad shit happening. The moment with the infected was really well done. It was just the right amount of chaos for me to be worried about both of them. And then once he was taken down, which I will say excellent move by Ellie. And then clearly we knew that Ellie was going to be bitten because this is the big moment for her. You know, this is when she was going to get bitten and she was going to realize that she's immune. She was going to connect with the fireflies or they were going to kidnap her and that sort of thing. And it just made sense to me that Riley was going to have to die. And in my mind, Riley was going to die with Ellie defending her from like an infected. At least that's what I thought was going to happen. So the fact that she survived but was bitten, and so, in essence, she had to die, made sense to me. What I hoped, and I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it now because this is the more appropriate time to say it, is what I had hoped that we were going to see is just a couple of scenes with the Fireflies discovering Ellie and filling in the blanks of, like, how she connected with the Fireflies. Like, was she kidnapped? I mean, she was chained up. At the start of the season, so I would assume she was taken against her will, and uh, I don't feel like we've really gotten an exposition-y type of um, explanation of exactly what happened and how they deduced that she was immune outside of the testing and that sort of thing. So, I don't know. For me, the episode would have felt just a little bit like a hair more complete with some sort of Firefly connection. Um, clearly, if she was, uh, if she, Riley, was assigned as, like, that was, like, her base camp or her post, you know, someone was going to check in on her. Or if she doesn't check in with the rest of them, some of them would go to her. So we can kind of deduce in our head what potentially happened, but I would have loved a little bit more of like a concrete official show explanation of what happened. Once again, I know it's like a nitpick, but it's something that I would have loved to have seen in this episode because I feel like we won't get to see anything like that in a future episode. We're just going to be lucky if we get a tiny bit of exposition explaining it. Then the catch-up to the present day, the way that they did it was interesting because... You know, we kind of end things in the flashback, and we catch up to the present day, and we see Ellie's decision, and then we flash back again, and uh, and then we, we come back to the present. That was a stylistic choice. I don't know if I liked it, per se, but it was a stylistic choice. Now, Ellie finding something to help, I mean, clearly, that's where I hoped they were going with it. I really don't understand how sewing up the wound helps. Like, you know, I, I'm not a surgeon. Um, he's got a big hole, you know, in his abdomen. So, I mean, I understand you do have to seal up the hole, but it's like, 
I don't know if that's all that she needed to do. Like, doesn't he need antibiotics or, um... Well, what's going to kill you first isn't the infection. The bleeding out, right? It's the bleeding out. So she's, like, one step at a time. Like, if he, if I can stop the bleeding out, maybe he can heal enough that he can walk to a town. Or to but the doesn't... that they're going to. Well, we don't really know the extent of his injuries. And clearly, unless you are a doctor with, like, a lab or something, x-rays and that sort of thing, probably no one would know the extent of his injuries. But, like, even if she sewed him up, like, internal bleeding is a thing, right? Like, even in, in the year 2023 in the post-apocalypse. So, I, I understand I understand the thought process, that you want to stop the bleeding, and so you're going to sew him up. Um, but I was still, like, I was still worried for Joel, even though I, I feel like this is... This is like a a a, um, a a point in which Joel is being saved. So I understand that, but I was still, I was worried for the man. I think, and I'm gonna say this like oversimplifying it because of course like it's gut wounds, and anytime you you're in the ER, like a gut wound is always gonna like freak you out because you can puncture an intestine and have like fecal matter like ruin like everything and just like you'll die of toxicity. Like, but. There are also a ton of cases where, like, you have, like, bullet wounds or shivs going through someone, and they don't nick anything. Like, it's just going through, like, muscle and fat and just tearing and not, like, and just causing, like, outward bleeding but not causing, like, inward bleeding. Like, the the body is a mysterious thing. Like, you can survive a lot of, like, bullshit sometimes by just, like, patching you up, by stapling you up together. So I can... I can suspend my disbelief enough to think that if she just, like, stitches him up, maybe we can get somewhere. Like, but then again, I'm the type of person that, like, plays Resident Evil and, like, suspends my disbelief at the fact that, like, Leon gets bit a lot in Resident Evil 4 and he's fine with just, like, a couple of, like, red and green herbs put together. Like, it's it's a video game. Like, logic isn't really going to apply here with your protagonists. But, um, yeah, I, unlike you loved the mashup of Riley and Ellie, like, dealing with the tragedy of being bit at the same time that Joel is, like, dealing with his wound and, like, Ellie is, like, trying to find something to help Joel with. Like, it's the whole, like, Ellie wants to scream at that moment. Like, she she's so frustrated with how to help who she sees as family now, like Joel, like the one person that's like stood by her side through everything, like what we've seen in the last episode. And to get that catharsis in the past with Ellie literally screaming and breaking like things, like it was just like, it just shows like inward dynamic, outward dynamic. Like it's beautiful. I loved that together. I thought it like mashed up really well. And when, like, I'm just going to say the choreography with the fighting of the of the infected and Riley and Ellie, like, using what they had, whether it was, like, a little, like, knife to stab through the sides and then stab in the head or a baseball bat or a gun. Like, it was just done so well. It just looked so gritty and raw, like... 
I I love it. And I know that they probably didn't have like didn't get to use like the girls themselves because you can't hurt your main actresses. They probably use stunt doubles. And to have them like bust through like a dis a store display and like crawl, like it just it looked so real, so gritty, so like flawed. And I loved that. I thought it was done remarkably well. And Ellie rubbing the bite mark is something that I was like, shit. It, it this isn't a, this ain't no etch a sketch. Like that that this isn't something that can be like erased. So I just I felt so bad for her. Her little like her scream after Riley just like shows off her hand and she's like, No, I'll like my heart made that sound. Like I I didn't know what was gonna happen since I've never played this part. But a part of me suspected, like, hoped beyond hope that Riley, like, left to tell the Fireflies that Ellie got bit because she was scared. And she jonesed off to go, like, to the Arizona QZ and left, like, Ellie to deal with the Fireflies. Like, a part of me hoped, because that would mean at least, like, even if she was a dick... That meant that she was alive. That meant that this moment, like, happened. But we didn't get that, obviously. They both are going to have their Romeo and Juliet moment where they die in each other's arms. Like, and obviously, like, that's what Riley thinks is going to happen. But even more tragically, if you think about it, Ellie had to see the person she loved slowly lose her mind while she was fine. While she could do nothing to help. It's another Sam moment all over again. And I feel like it's even more powerful that we didn't get the whole, like, fireflies rushing in to see what's going on. What's all this noise? And to rehash what we saw in the first episode. Like, instead, it's go- it- it's left unsaid. Like, Riley just tells her what the options are and says sorry for option three because there is no option three. Like, it's just, it's more powerful with it left dangling in the air. I thought this was a beautiful moment. And I just... Like, I finished the episode and, like, a sigh left me. Because I felt like so much shit happened. And I was just, like, feeling it all. Like, I paused this episode so many times. Because usually, like, when when I watch an episode and it gets to be too much, like, emotionally, I'm like, oh my god, something's too cute. I can't handle it. Like, I pause and reflect and then I go back to it and like let the let the moment happen and this happened so many times this episode for me like it felt like I went through a workout watching this episode like emotionally I was like someone needed to squeegee me out of all the emotions that like ran through me this was it was it was crazy I loved this so with that being said now it's time for the MVP the most valuable player State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. And luckily, we don't have Vinny here, so we don't have to fight very much over who our top billings are. So I'll let Jeffrey go first. And who do you pick as your MVP? Well, we did have the fungi guy. So, you know, there were three people (laughs) in this. Well, I mean, also, you could justify Joel, maybe. If if we had three, but fortunately, there are only two of us because th- this really was a showcase for two actors. And I feel like 
whomever I choose, like the other one, you're going to be able to rep perfectly, I, I feel. So I am going to choose uh, Ellie. And I'm going to choose Ellie because she was just so good in this episode. Like, Bella Ramsey knocked it out the park. She was just fantastic throughout this entire hour of television. In the past, we got to unlock, you know, a chapter in Ellie's life that we did not know about. We got to see her run through the gamut of emotions throughout this episode from you know, not having her best friend, to getting her best friend back, to uh, having the best moment, the best time of her life, to then getting a little bit of heartbroken by finding out that her best friend was going to be leaving all throughout. You know, she, she was still dealing with complex emotions inside of how she actually felt about this person, and then finally acting out upon them, acting out upon, you know, the these feelings that she had, it being reciprocated, and, uh, and, you know, then tragedy strikes, and Bella Ramsey just knocked it out the park in all of the flashback section, and then we have her, you know, now we know exactly what she's gone through, now there's a little bit of a greater context to what she said in the previous episode to Joel, that everybody that I've ever had has left, and we can now interpret the word left to mean died, because, I mean, if you think about it, everyone that she has come into close contact with, that she has, you know, bonded with, has died, and so now Joel is, is her person. You know, it makes her her um, her intensity in the present day of trying to find something to help Joel, you know, just, it, it, it makes it a very life or death type of situation for her, because, it, you know, she sees this as a life or death situation for Joel. So all of it made sense, and Bella Ramsey just knocked it out the park. So props to her. So that's why Ellie is my MVP. And thank God you picked her because I was totally gunning for Riley. I've never seen Storm Reid again in anything. So this is my first, like, foray into Storm Reid's acting. And I thought she, like, again, POC's doing the damn thing and making you love them in one episode and then, like, dying, like, right as soon as you grow to love them. God, she was so great. It's like, she pulled, like, it's believable that she had a family once. It's believable that she has tragedy, that it's, be- and, and that she, like, protected Ellie and, like, thought the world of her and would accept her kisses, would accept her love, and have tragedy strike, and to, like, know that instead of leaving together, the QZ or leaving to Arizona together to be fireflies like they were they were going to be together they were going to have it all and then it just shit fucked up because it's the apocalypse and nothing you can't have nice things in the apocalypse I've just god it it broke my heart and 
Stormy did a really good job. Like I'm I'm just I'm amazed. She's epic. I loved her. So with that being said, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 infected? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden infected. And Jeffrey, I'll allow you to go first. It's funny because after I watched the episode, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to rate this like a 9 or a 10. You know, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. The acting was top notch. And, um, you know, this was like a nice little pocket into the life of, um, of Ellie before, you know, we met her at, uh, or I should say way back in the first episode. But after talking about it with you, like, I, I have a, an even more, um, an even greater appreciation for the episode. And... I, I don't want to do it again, but I think I'm going to give it a golden because pretty much because of the two leads, uh, Bella Ramsey and Storm Reed, they sold it for me. This was a magical, romantical adventure that ended in tragedy, a tragedy that we that we knew was coming, but a tragedy nonetheless. And the bookends to the present day were really well done as well. So, um so yeah, I'm surprising myself because this is not where I thought I was going to go when I rated the episode, but um, I-, I will give it a golden. I'm getting on that golden train. It's a choo-choo motherfucker for me. It's totally a golden. I loved this. Like, again, take the whole, like, kill your gays thing, like, with a grain of salt because this is the apocalypse. Of course, they're going to kill off everyone. But, like, I liked the, the, the fact that they brought these two together and like showed such like gooey moments with each other where like if you're like headed in the clouds you're like oh no these are just two friends being friendly to one another but if like you're really looking at the details you're like "Uh uh-uh these girls are flirting and like ended in tragedy with both of them like choosing to run away together and then like not being able to because of circumstances beyond their control and to bookend that with her trying to save the only person in her life who gives a shit about her and like searching through like cabinets, searching through drawers, trying to find anything to save him. Like, God, that's so powerful. And there's even like, even the minor characters, like the general who's in charge of the orphanarium for both of them. And like, or the mean white girl, like it's just, they both show, like, like you can think about it, like, multi-levels. Like, is this guy, like, a feather goon? Is he just, like, spouting off things to make this girl fall into line? Or is does he really actually give a shit about her? Is he really, like, does he really believe in feather for the QZ? Like, are they completely bad? Are they completely good? Like, and I think the biggest answer comes to the fact that, like, nobody is completely bad or completely good. You can think of the fact that Riley is a beautiful girl who's in love with with Ellie, and you can also think, well, she's creating, like, bombs, which, Ellie's right, are gonna hurt people. And as much as Riley says no, that it's, like, that it's not like that, like, again... 
Ellie's got a point where it's propaganda that the that the that the fireflies give that nobody in the apocalypse is truly innocent. So I I just love how complicated the dynamics can be and how wonderful like the humanity within like these moments of beauty, like of the carousel are foiled with the tragedy of the fight at the Halloween store. Like it's just, it's beautiful. I loved how complicated everything can get, how layered, like if I wanted an easy, like TV show, like, I'd watch a PBS special or something like that. Like it's it's nothing like that. It's it's beautiful. I'm just amazed, and of I'm of course I'm giving it a golden. I thought this was really really good television, and that's that it's a flashback episode, like a, and a bottle episode at that sort of with like her just hanging out at a mall. Like it could have been really boring, but it wasn't. Like it was, man, the gays are doing the damn thing. Like that it's it's. It's exceptional. I loved it. So with that being said, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Cordyceps Chronicles. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Cordyceps Chronicles and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, meaning Jeffrey, because Vinny's not here, please wish the listeners a good night. Have a good night, listeners. Stay safe out there. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Cordyceps Chronicles via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Tuesday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. Good night.